Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I produce this podcast as an act of love and service to our global Kirtan family. And it's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Hello again, dear listeners. I hope you're doing well. It's been a little longer than usual between podcasts. Did you think I was hibernating? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I find it really good to know that we're through the darkest part of the winter. That thought helps me a lot when the weather is rainy and gray for weeks on end. The kirtan scene here continues at a busy pace. On New Year's Eve, our band played a kirtan that was followed by the dances of universal peace, and it was such a blast. (laughs) The church was filled to the rafters. It is so much fun to lead a kirtan with that many people. The aisles were full of folks dancing, clapping, and singing, and then we got to dance together with the dances of universal peace. It was a great way to usher in the new year. Our community loved Om Tara, a group from Portland who played a kirtan for us last month, and we just hosted Avesa and Matthew Love for an evening of sweet music. Here's a fast update on my upcoming hip replacement surgery. They've pushed the date out until at least March. So right now my number one job is staying as comfortable as I can until the surgery. It helps if I stay busy. (laughs) So it's cold and we're supposed to have a lot of rain here today. It's a good day to be inside, stay cozy, and finish up this podcast on the kirtan scene in China. And what an adventure it has been. It began when Dave Stringer spent Easter weekend with us here last April. He was on his way to China to give several kirtans, and he was telling me about the scene there. I just found it fascinating and thought you guys would too, and so this podcast was born. Dave was the first person I interviewed, and Clayton Horton from Hong Kong was next. I talked to him in July, right after the first riot occurred in Hong Kong, and that led to several interesting conversations. I was trying out a new software for doing interviews, and unfamiliarity with it unfortunately resulted in Clayton's first interview being lost in the void. So we tried again, and that time, thank goodness, everything worked. Dave put me in touch with Richard Bainbridge, who lives near Shanghai, and uh, we had several great talks, but the Chinese internet is a different animal, and this time, my side of the conversation with him was lost. So by the time I got to Rasa, the third musician I interviewed, I had gotten things mostly straightened out, but because of all this, I had to do some really fancy dancing with the editing. It took a while. But, you know, it was really fun to work on. I enjoy intense editing projects like this that tell a compelling story. I hope you'll find it was worth the wait. There is a fascinating story emerging about the yoga and kirtan scene in China. The yoga market there is huge, and it's growing fast. It's one of the biggest yoga markets in the world. Check out this quote from the South China Morning Post. According to projections from Statista, By 2020, the yoga market in China is expected to stretch to nearly $6.7 billion, not far behind the U.S. yoga market, which is expected to be worth $11.6 billion. There are over 200 yoga studios in Shanghai alone. In this edition of the podcast, you'll hear Dave, Richard, Rasa, and Clayton tell how they got involved with yoga and kirtan in China, what it was like back in the early days, what it's like now, and where they see it going. The music you'll hear is from Dave Stringer, 
Kevin James, Rasa, and Clayton Horton, and it was recorded live at various venues in China. I'm releasing this over the Chinese New Year because to me, it symbolizes the energy of 2020 and the unbelievable momentum behind this worldwide movement for love. It gives me hope, it gives me strength, and it should give all of you hope and strength too, despite what the news is telling you. This is happening. People around the world are joining in a movement to create a future when all people realize that love is the answer to everything. Enjoy. And until next time, my friends, namaste. Mahadeva Shambho. Mahadeva Shambho. And the mantra means that the end of one thing is the beginning of another thing. So, if you're always holding on to things, you have no space for something new to come into your life. Let's just start with how this whole thing started, right? Because you were here in April, and, uh, and, and you were about to go to China. And we're telling me about the kirtan scene in China. And I, I just got fascinated by it. So I'd like to ask you, how did you get started doing kirtan in China? Well, as with so many things in kirtan, there's this worldwide web of connections. And sometimes finding a gig in one place uh, leads through some series of ricochets to uh, an invitation someplace else. So uh, a person that I know is alternately Zoe and Idan uh, from Kamal Yoga in Beijing uh, was in Australia and she had a profound experience with Kirtan in Australia and asked people in Australia if there was someone that she should invite to lead Kirtan in China. And, uh, and she said, you know, it can't be too religious. It needs to have a little bit more of a, you know, sort of scientific or secular, you know, imprint on it. And, you know, who could do that? And everybody said, oh, you should invite Dave Stringer. So she explored, you know, checked me out on the internet, checked out my music, etc. And, and that's how I first got invited. Um, although the story in some ways goes back, even my connection to China started with uh, a kirtan I did in Freiburg, Germany in around 2007. And a, a person that i know by the Western name Lulu approached me and she was Chinese and going to university in Freiburg in Germany. And I remember our first conversations were in German. And um, later uh, she showed up and she said, one of these days, you know, you'll have to come to China. But she was in Germany. I didn't really think much about it. And uh, in 2013, I was playing at the Bali Spirit Festival and Lulu showed up and uh, and said that she was now living in Shanghai we should stay in touch, etc. And simultaneously, a guy named a yoga teacher, Richard Bainbridge, uh, who's an American who lives and is married to a Chinese citizen and teaches yoga in China, also was at the Bali Spirit Festival. And I met him within like, oh, 10 minutes of running into Lulu again. He also said, hey, man, you really got to come to China sometime. So I, I had one of these feelings with Richard, like, like I felt like I knew this guy or that somehow he was somehow important to me in the future. So we stayed in touch for a number of years. It was really in 2016 that I get this unsolicited invitation from Kamal Yoga and uh, from Idan. And 
saying, you know, they'd heard good things about me and they wanted to invite me to China. And I, at first I kind of didn't really even trust the invitation. So it took a little bit of, you know, back and forth to establish a connection and communication. And, and in fact, they ended up flying me and the drummer, John Ducat, uh to China. And we played in Beijing and Chongqing for the first time. And, uh, uh, and we had great crowds. I remember, you know, we probably had 200 people in Beijing and like 150 people in Chongqing and we played with Chinese musicians and it was all completely a whole new world to me. I'd never been to China before. I never thought that I would go there to sing Kirtan, but the, the yoga movement is really burgeoning there. And, um, uh, they were for the first time starting to see themselves, uh, beyond like the fitness craze of it as also, uh, centers of community and wanting to explore some of the other aspects of yoga. So the next voice you're going to hear is Richard Bainbridge, and he's the yoga teacher that Dave just mentioned. Richard is originally from Texas, uh, and he and his wife are both yoga teachers who live about an hour from Shanghai in Wuxi. Richard is one of the earliest teachers of the vinyasa yoga style in China. Yeah, I guess you could say, and and people have in fact said um, in some recent interviews I've done with the, with um, like the media here and stuff, they call me like the uh, one of like the old uncles of of yoga in China, yeah, Lao Shu Shu. This is a mantra specifically for that connection. It's weird because, you know, I've lived in China for 20 years, so I have a totally different perspective on China than, out than you know, people, most people do, I guess, who have never been here. But, um, but uh, to be honest, like, if I only wanted to teach at yoga festivals and just do that, um, I could do that for a living, basically, like almost you know, every week be in a different city somewhere in China or a different town or a different, you know, retreat somewhere that's hosting a yoga festival. And I could work full time only doing yoga festivals, basically. And and some of them are actually, you know, really, they, they run the whole gamut from, you know, very like, you know, um, low key, just, you know, kind of thrown together and low budget um, to very, very well done. And, you know, very well organized some of them are, are amazing you know um and you know sometimes I'll, I'll go to a yoga festival in a place i've never even heard of you know and i've lived here for 20 years and i show up and it's massive you know the the city is huge and the venue is at some giant five-star hotel and there's thousands of people and uh, i'm just like oh my god you know like <laughs> Sitaram Jaya 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 Amma 
So yoga, I guess you could say, is divided into two basic camps. You've got like kind of the more modern vinyasa, ashtanga, and uh, there's other, another style here called universal that's quite popular. But anyway, like very, you know, physically demanding and um, very advanced kind of styles of yoga that you would find in any, you know, typical big city yoga studio in the U.S. or whatever. Um and and that's really popular, especially with you know younger people, um, predominantly women, even more so than in you know America or Europe. It's it's more like you know ninety five to ninety seven percent women in the classes here. Um, but anyway, um, so you've got that, and it's really spread all over China. I mean, and I teach everywhere from like the far north to the far south, from the far east to the far west and everything in between. So it's, it's literally spread everywhere. Um, so you've got that. And then you've also got like, you know, kind of more gentle styles um, that are, you know, quote unquote Hatha, although that's a misuse of the term, I know. But, um, you know, just less vinyasa or power style and more like kind of gentle styles that's, um, that's mainly more popular in, uh, say very small cities or with uh, a bit older crowds um, but but by and large um, in China I would say that kind of yoga it's it's um, predominantly a physical practice um, I would say even more so than say in the West or something where there people do tend to combine like a spiritual um, element of yoga uh, with their their asana practice. I would say here it's it's first and foremost a physical practice, and then some people, you know, they get really into it, or it leads them. It's it's a portal to something else that goes more into the spiritual side, um, and that's been happening more and more in the past few years as people, you know, delve deeper into their practice and start to learn more about yoga and take teacher trainings and things like that. Listening to Rasa, who is originally from Poland and who now lives in Shanghai. Yeah, I left Poland in '97 uh, or in '98 and moved to India. And uh, after like sort of establishing myself in India, started traveling to different places in Asia, mostly for work. And uh, yeah, that brought me to China, and that was the year 2000. And uh, Believe it or not, but in 2000, the kirtan scene in China was already going on, but it really? was full, fully <laughs> underground. Huh. Yeah. It was, uh, you would never know. And also, like the, the when I first asked a friend of mine, do you know anybody in China that I can that I can contact when I'm there? You know, somebody that can show me around or something. Yes, I can. 
but uh, you have to you have to pass the verification has to make sure that you are the the person that you are presenting yourself to be you know it's like wow <laughs> You know that was uh, that was a deep, deep China at the time. The system was really strong, mm. and it was very present. So after the verification system via email, couple emails, you know, I got in touch with uh, with the local person. that time it was still uh, you know a deeply deeply underground to the point that when I was going to to this person's house you know we had like a little program in the house he invited a few people and uh, and we all like we chanted really quietly no instruments just light clapping and uh, basically whispering but man what a mood it was the whole the room was charged, you know, <laughs> and and when when we were get going in the car, he told us to 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 dunk to dunk, you know, so the so the security officer in the compound doesn't see that he's bringing anybody, especially no foreigners. So that was the first, and uh, and later a few years passed, and. Uh, I started thinking about relocating to China from India in uh, 2008. Yeah, and soon after I, I moved to China. And during this time, I still kept in touch with this person. And by the time I moved in and uh, contacted him and said, like, is this is Kirtan scene still going on? You have something going on? And he's like, Oh yeah, I do. You want to join? So of course I do. <laughs> so within a week after I landed in China, I didn't have apartment. I didn't have anything. Basically, starting from scratch, I I was already at the kirtan, and uh, you know I had experiences of kirtan from India, from Poland, obviously from different places in the U.S. and Europe. Because I traveled around and, and did kirtans and, and on different different events, different festivals. But what I've heard in China at that time was like, wow. He, you know, he had a, a, a really nice following and people who were so dedicated. He was obviously, he explained what kirtan is and, and how it goes, that the leader is first uh, chanting and people respond and uh, then proceeded to chant. And people basically, you know, they responded with the wall of sound. It's like, <laughs> oh, I felt like my hair is getting blown off because there was so much enthusiasm and so much energy there. It was like, wow, I've never experienced anything like this. I've been, you know, in Vrindavan, in India, in different temples and in festivals. Yeah, there was enthusiasm and people would chant and dance. But that was was something else. And uh, yeah, all my hairs on my full body started standing on end. 
And I was like, I won't do this. I want to do that, you know. But um, yeah, that was beginning. And please meet Clayton Horton, who lives in Hong Kong. I was born in Oklahoma, but then I moved to California when I was 20 years old. And then I moved up to San Francisco. Um, my brother, mother, and sister moved up there. And I started doing yoga. And my mom took me to a kirtan. That, I really loved it. And I connected. I really, really resonated with that. And then I started to take yoga classes. And uh, long story short, I started really getting into yoga and took a very long trip to India and did a lot of kirtan on that first journey to India in 1996. I was 31 years old and uh, had the opportunity to, to lead some kirtan on that trip. And I got so buzzed from it. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to do that forever. I'm going to do that again and again and again. I was just so deep into it all and came back and started teaching full time in, in California, San Francisco. And Started my own studio, and we started to do weekly kirtans uh, at Green Path Yoga Studio on Lombard Street in San Francisco. I was there from uh, 2001 to 2006, and my my great bro David Lee Lurie and I we would do kirtans every week, and this was kind of early in the kirtan scene in San Francisco. Uh, no one else was really doing weekly kirtans except for us, and we did it for years, and we really uh, developed a nice grassroots groundswell of uh, kirtan lovers and collected them to us. Of course, there were ashrams in San Francisco that were doing the kirtans, but uh, uh, we were enjoying it also and drawing a crowd, and this is in the early 2000s, and that's kind of my start. And then I started traveling more and more as a uh, Ashtanga yoga teacher. That's what I do full time. And uh, when and wherever I teach, we do a kirtan. And so I really got to experience the uh, the bliss and the love of kirtans in Europe and Asia and America as well. So uh, now I live in Hong Kong, just recently married and teach Ashtanga yoga here for Pure Yoga Studios and uh, do a monthly kirtan here. And in my classes, I uh, always play guitar and sing something and get them chanting uh, at the end or beginning of the class. And so in my workshops and retreats, we do kirtans also. People have been doing chants and chanting in China uh, since time immemorial with Buddhism and shamanism uh, and all this, right? And ashrams have been here for a very long time. ISKCON and the Hare Krishna people have been here for a very long time, probably since huh? the 70s, or, you know, huh? maybe the 60s. <laughs> I'm not sure. But so that has always been in this happening. And then... Let's see. I remember people doing uh, regular kirtans in the 
early 2000s in, in Hong Kong that I heard about that were non-ashram kirtans at yoga studios. That's what I mean at yoga studios. And so I give a monthly kirtan. And in Hong Kong, you can probably attend maybe four kirtans every month if you know the right people and have a network to all of it. And uh, a lot of the people that lead kirtan are Westerners, um, some Indian. And there are a lot of Chinese musicians, that's for sure. I don't know of many uh, local people that are leading kirtan. I'm sure there's some, but I, I know a few, yeah, but not too many. But that's that's all changing. You know, kirtan is getting very popular, and um, along with many of the artists that uh, have their music available online, and people that come through. Krishna Das was just here last year. That was a real big deal for all of us. And Paul's uh, been here. Kevin James comes here. Daphne C. comes through a lot. And hmm. so all these people have been planting seeds all along, you know, the ISKCON people, all the people I just mentioned. And so the soil is fertile and, and we're having a good time here doing kirtan in Hong Kong. point there are some chinese people that are truly leading kirtan and who have a really amazing presence there's this guy ananda who uh i think lives in changsha and he played with me in guangzhou in december his his english is very limited and i'm learning to speak mandarin but my mandarin is still somewhat limited um and yet we were able to communicate really really readily and uh and play together really joyfully and like this guy has you could just tell he's just mm, has mm. the ba the bob you know and there's other people in china chinese people who are doing this but at the moment it's it's partly westerners and also to mm. a certain extent indonesians who are in china leading the movement but a lot of chinese people are coming and i think the next challenge is to incorporate fully more chinese into the bands i'm certainly i'm playing with you know a mixture of westerners and chinese musicians i think as more and more chinese people feel comfortable leading it you know it'll take off e even further america went through a process where at first you were just hearing kirtan in new york san francisco and los angeles um, it, it took some years before you could go lead right. kirtan in green bay wisconsin but it eventually happened so you know, at the moment, Kirtan in China is heavily happening in, in the cities that are the most open to the West. So this is why Shanghai is a big center of it. It's also especially why Hong Kong is, is, yeah. is, a, is an open city. Even though Buddhism has its start in India and then, you know, a great flowering in China, there's still, there's still some wariness. And I've come to understand that Actually, Chinese people seem to prefer their kirtan coming from Westerners than from Indians. Huh. It 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 has a different kind of credibility for them, I think, in some ways, because uh, as China has become prosperous, they're more interested in some ways. They're looking more to the West from a uh, a popular cultural 
standpoint, and this is why the yoga studios that you see in China uh, resemble in many ways the yoga studios that you see in California. Uh, they're, so they're more inspired by this. And naturally, because the West has been a place where, you know, there's been a great popularization of kirtan, they're kind of receiving it from that source. Um, there aren't a lot of Indian instruments or Indian musicians in China. And so that's meant the sound of things have had to change somewhat too. Normally, I play with tabla players. Um, I have yet to find a tabla mm. player in China. Uh, Joss Jaffe went with me uh, on the last trip. Uh, no, not the last trip, trip before that in December of 2018. And he was playing tabla and cajon. But uh, kirtan in China is, is tends to be more, the drum is more like a cajon or a drum set. Um, they seem to kind of like the mm. rock band version of it. So that's how it's, it's coming in. Dave uh, Stringer pointed out, um, like very much on the fringes of China, uh, in China. Um, it's not like, you know, a very common thing at all, um, but it is starting to take root, especially in places like, you know, Shanghai or Beijing, where you have more of an international crowd um, and where people are more serious about yoga. You know, they go every day and they're very dedicated to their practice and they're they're really into it. Um, so kirtan has kind of uh, developed in those kind of places. But also, you know, there are people who just found kirtan, I don't know, as a separate thing or something. That's just become their calling. Um, there are a few people who travel around and do kirtan all over the country because um, there are yoga festivals all over China. So people will perform kirtan at these yoga festivals or just go to different yoga studios, things like that. Or they go to a teacher training such as mine, for example, uh, where Kirtan is actually a part of the teacher training. Major Hindu holiday, Krishna Janmashtami, the the birthday of Krishna, so to say. It was uh, in September, mid September, 
and it's so coincided with the with the big yoga festival and we got invited to play at this festival and there were around 1400 people in one room in one place and and also it so happened that i had the best crew you know all all the guys were there i had a uh, Indian master tabla player who came for some classical uh, Indian music concert and he was so happy to play with us and wow that was a blast and people sang with so much enthusiasm it was like that the wall of sound you know the wall of sound I always say okay guys if you if you want to get more, you have to give more because this is that's kirtan, you know. This is the process of giving and receiving. So I put a lot of stress, and at that time, I guess they they really took it uh, seriously, and yeah, wow. just love to hear about the Hong Kong Kirtan Festival. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, well, it was our second annual. We had done it last year as well. And this is in part uh, produced in, as a benefit for the Yama Foundation. Uh, the Yama Foundation in Hong Kong uh, provides yogic services and art uh, for handicapped children and disadvantaged youth in the Hong Kong area. So they do a, a, quite an extensive outreach program from low-income communities to handicapped children and into prisons. It's a great organization. Harisha Chalaran is the director. And uh, we raised about 20,000 Hong Kong dollars, which is just under 3,000 U.S. dollars, which is enough money for them to uh, finance uh, three of their yoga programs for a whole year. So that, that felt oh, really good to, to do some good work with, with, with that. And uh, so the the event itself was uh, just a group of different kirtan performers. This year we started with a, a very professional and exquisite crystal bowl meditation uh, mm. by Martina Lee. And then we had several kirtan performers, actually four different groups, including my own band. And then we ended it with a, a gong bath by an exquisite, very experienced uh, gong master, Martha Collard. And uh, she brought one gong in and really filled the whole room with so many different sounds. And there's a beautiful way to end the evening is to go into that gong bath where the sound just travels through you and cleanses all your oh, yeah. bodies and, and what have you. Was, we all felt so good the next day. Wow. Singing okay. all night long, then getting the gong bath and Waking up and knowing that we raised all that money, it was just very meaningful and, and great experience. And we hope to do it again next year, too.
the full-on scene, yes. And you know, maybe like if you ask somebody who's been to a kirtan even a few times, if you ask them about philosophy and about what it's all about, they won't be able to say much. But for me, I think kirtan is about experience, you know, and it's about what what stays and uh, if there is if there is enthusiasm or, or desire to continue, that's what's most important. And I don't really talk much. Um, sometimes we do get like an indication. Yeah, don't talk about religion too much, or don't talk about God, or don't talk about the meaning of the mantras. Uh, it's like ah, pff, okay, I won't talk at all. <laughs> you know, or like we just we just talk about experience. We just don't get into the meaning of the mantras. Just just listen and give back and chant back and just and just be present and experience and that's all that's required of you oh that's you know? great that's great and so you don't give context for what it is yeah. that you're singing you just you give the context that you give is 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 pay attention to how you're going to feel yes exactly feeling. and inevitably after the first mantra we chant for 15 20 minutes Wow, it's it's a whole different story, you know. Then, then I introduce a little bit. Then I give little bits and pieces of of the context of uh, where it's from and how it's how it's being done in India since ages and all. And uh, just to give people a little bit of like a visual background, you know. And uh, it helps a lot. Do you think that, that, that more, as more people become aware that there's a spiritual side to yoga, that kirtan will expand in China? I mean, where do you, where do you think it'll be in five years, ten years? Mm. Well, okay. I, I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, that's my dream, you know. But uh, I would say when I came here, when I first came to China, um, when I first started living in China, I, I first came here in 1999. I didn't start living in China until 2001. And at that time, you know, there was no one doing yoga. You know, there people had no idea what yoga was at all. Um, there were a few small yoga studio, studios starting to open in places like Beijing, um, where there were a lot of like expats, and yoga was kind of just just starting in China. Um, but I could see there was this this potential for a huge growth for yoga in in China, and um, that's what my instinct kept telling me. You know. Um, and my background is in journalism. I'm pretty good at at sensing things and kind of like um, seeing where things are going to be a few years ahead of time. Um, and so I, I really like predicted that that huge growth of China uh, of yoga in China, and, and that's actually come to happen. Um, Kirtan, you know, it, I'm back to you know 2001. <laughs> 
in yoga in China. It's it's just the the very early beginnings of it here. Um, I don't think it will ever catch on nearly as much as say you know the asana practice has, just because mm-hmm. you know there's most people are motivated by very superficial things. They want to have a a nice looking body or whatever you know. So um, kirtan's never going to have that kind of mass appeal like like the the asana practice does. Um, but that said, I really still think that there's a, a, a like a really deep and growing need for spirituality here. Um, and that as people mature in their yoga practice, they're inevitably going to be drawn to that spiritual side as well. And also the more that people, uh, you know, the people who you're talking to um, for this podcast, you know, people like Rasa or me or, or Dave or whoever, um, who are really going out and trying with all our hearts to, to share this music, you know, I really have faith that it's going to inevitably reach a, a certain uh, amount of the population. It might not ever be huge, but I think there's going to be a um, a growing community for Kirtan here. And especially if you have someone like, you know, Deva Pramal or Krishna Das or um, Sanatam Kar come here, I think it would be massive. I think it, it would wow. be hugely successful. So if those people start coming here, uh, and I and I don't see why they why they wouldn't. Um, then I think it's going to start growing more and more. And also the yoga festivals here are getting bigger and bigger. And so you know you're going to start to have uh, big names coming to China, coming to perform at those festivals. And then you know that's where a lot of people have their first contact with Kirtan is going to festivals and hearing the music there. You know. Yeah, yeah, this is already happening in places like like in Hong Kong. You know, they have uh, Pure Yoga has a a big uh, conference there called Evolution. So they bring like Krishna Das and and people like that. And then a lot of Chinese people are going to Bali Spirit Festival every year as well, uh, and seeing wow. the the performance at, at Bali Spirit Festival. Uh, and now you know a lot of people have been to those kind of festivals, and they now they're bringing that that vibe and that feeling you know back with them and doing their own festivals um all over china and watch it grow uh, and, and to know, yeah, that, it's really, know that you've been instrumental really in, in helping it grow yeah be very satisfying well it is definitely um i i like to think that i had something to do with the development of yoga in general in china and now you know i'm kind of shifting towards taking that the next stage into into kirtan one person can't do can't do any of this alone you know whether it was yoga or or spreading kirtan around china it's not going to happen if i'm just the only person out there doing it you know yeah. or even just a few people it's got to you know it's got to really uh develop a life of its own and have a much greater um following than you know just this this small uh crew of people like rasa and myself and rafael who are doing it now 
so it's going to take time, I think. But um, in the end, I have I have a lot of hopes for it. I think one of the biggest things is like having people like Dave or or Kevin James, people who are who are really just you know top notch musicians and just incredible uh, kirtan performers come and in and do shows in China and people see something like that and they're just blown away, you know? Right. Um, that, it, you know, that helps so much. It's, it's, it's just, you know, puts a, a, a jet booster on the Kirtan movement in China. important and I'm so happy that you're doing you're doing that where you're doing it and other people are doing it where they're doing it and all these little sparks of light around the world you know I think gives us hope that actually the world can change you know and turn toward love and it's not as crazy as it sounds it's not right imagine all the people <laughs> imagine all the people <laughs> singing <Kirsten. laughs> yeah yeah no kidding and uh, that's that's a worthy vision to have, and and I'm not ashamed to say that that's my vision. You know that people come together in peace, and if they're singing kirtan, so much better. <laughs> something beautifully unifying about singing these sounds and uh it's all nonsensical in in the best way you know uh because the brain keeps trying to make sense out of something that's really a mass of you know this universe is a lot of blips of information and light and sound flashing and somehow our brain organizes it and it gets organized into certain patterns that say well this is how things are then we have evidence that maybe they aren't really quite that way. I, I think it's useful to have an exercise in which we all have to, in a sense, you know, kind of reroute the circuitry. One of the <laughs> most moving um, scenes, I, I may have told you this before, but it, uh, in, in Mantra, in the Mantra movie, is the crowd mm -hmm. in Russia singing the mantras that we sing here, that we sing all over the place to Deva and Natan. And there is something so beautiful about that, that we're all singing the same language. It never fails to bring me to tears, yeah. that scene. And to imagine people in China yeah. singing those mantras, people all over the world singing those mantras, you know, in unity. It is. Yeah, it's, it's, really beautiful. it's incredibly beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, like Dave, uh, Dave came with John DeCat in April. And I toured around with them for a while. And it was just amazing. Just the reaction from people. It was just unbelievable. We had people, you know, huge crowds dancing and singing and people just, you, know, you could see how, how touched they were. And just the, the energy was just 
fantastic. You can see it on even on Dave's face, you know, like um, someone who's who's got so many years of experience doing kirtan, but you could see that he's really feeling the energy from from the crowd, you know. And people, I think most people who have never come to China, they have this idea about China in their heads that it's this oppressed, you know, authoritarian dictatorship place where you know it's you know mass surveillance and blah 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 and 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 it is i mean that's not there there's truth to that but there's there's also the truth that people here are human just like anywhere else and and they're really actually beautiful people and really you know very open and welcoming and kind and loving people if you meet them one-on-one and um and they react to this kind of music and in the same way that, you know, they do anywhere else in the world that I've seen Kirtan, you know, which is, it opens their hearts and it's, it's a really beautiful and powerful thing. Good day, Namo.